Okay, so if you're in Colossians chapter 3, we're going to try to cover verses 1 through 17. We're going to do a little bit this week. We're going to talk about one thing, and then next week I think we're going to cover the same verses, but we're going to talk about it in a different way. And so uh, to catch you up where we've been is um, last week in uh, Colossians we talked about Oh, excuse me. We've been talking about uh, false teachers a lot and how they bring this uh, this message that it's an appearance of wisdom. And we always talk about how Jesus wants to push us towards maturity and towards um, healing. And we referenced uh, very quickly referenced in John chapter five, if you remember that part where Jesus goes up to the guy and he says, "Do you want to be healed? Do you remember that?" And it's a very strange question, and we said, why would Jesus even ask that? That's a, a very weird, weird question that he would ask that. And we said, that's only weird unless you understand that some people place their identity in, or they attach themselves to a sickened identity, right? And that there, if we're honest, there may be some areas of our life that if Jesus was looking right at us and he says, where would you, would you like to be healed from this thing? There might be areas where we look at him and say, no, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to be healed. Okay, and so, um, and then we've also talked about uh, a little bit about uh, baptism as a as an image of what it means to be a Christian is that we are united in Jesus's death, and then the second part of baptism is what? What do you do after you push them under the water? You do what? You lift them up. Some of y'all still not sure. That's okay. We'll get it. We'll get there. Okay, but that's the two parts of baptism: is you push them under the water to say this is this is symbolic of I have died with Christ I have died to this world and the thing that's so interesting about that symbolism is if I hold you under the water you are dead you're dead and that's why it's so important that we pull them out of the water saying this is symbolic of you coming out of the grave with Jesus Christ and this is why uh, Easter is such a big deal because we celebrate an empty tomb right um the cross, we always will point to the cross, but don't forget the tomb. I love the tomb. The cross reminds me of guilt and shame, by the way. The empty tomb reminds me of freedom and a new life. We need to start wearing necklaces that is an empty tomb. I don't know how we could pull that off somewhere, but we could sell them at Canton and make a killing because we'd rhinestone them and people would go crazy over them. But don't forget the empty tomb. Don't forget the life of Jesus, that yes, we're united in his death, but also his life. Don't stay under the water. Come up out of that water and walk in this new life, okay? Um, and that's what it means to be a believer is that Jesus, when we say Jesus is alive, don't super spiritualize this. I don't mean, yeah, he's alive in my heart, or yeah, he's alive in the Well, that's true. But when we say Jesus is alive, it means this. It means there is physically a physical man that you can touch, feel. You can feel the scars in his hands that there is a physical man seated at the right hand of the Father right now in the heavens. Don't miss that. And so when we say Jesus is alive, we mean the dude is physically living, breathing. He's not some weird spiritual ghost floating next to God. He's a guy as real as you and me that defeated death. He died and said, I'm done with this, and came back and rose from the grave and to be a Christian means that we are united in his death, burial, and resurrection. And that's what it means to be alive in Christ. Okay? So I, I know we throw that phrase around, Jesus is alive, I'm alive in Christ. That's what it means. Is that Jesus Christ, right now, the dude is sitting next to the Father. He's in us, we're in him, we're united, and he's interceding on our behalf. 
Okay, But that's a whole different sermon. Go read Hebrews if you want to see about that. And so look in, uh, verse, um, look in verse 1. We're going to start there and we're going to skip to the end real quick. Verse 1, we covered this last week. Uh, chapter 3, verse 1. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. I just said that. Uh, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, that's, that's a reference to future when he comes back, then you also will appear with him in glory. And so pause there. If you'll remember what we said last week, um, we talk a lot about belief, and we talk a lot about behavior. And something we've said several times is your belief will affect your behavior. What you believe will eventually become your behavior. That's just the way it works, okay? And so when we're studying um, in Colossians, you can see it in Ephesians, you can see it all throughout Scripture, is this connection when we're talking about belief and we're trying to make it affect our behavior. If you remember, the way Paul goes through it is he always goes through the mind, right? Is that we have these beliefs about God. How do we translate these beliefs into behavior? How do I behave uh, tomorrow starting at 8 a.m. when I'm back at work surrounded by sometimes people that aren't the sharpest tool in the shed? How does my belief about God affect my behavior? And remember, Paul always attacks the mind, okay? And last week we referenced uh, Romans chapter 12 verse 2. It says, do not be do, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Okay, so look, he's talking about behavior. And he says, instead, I want you to be transformed by the renewing of your what? Mind. Isn't that interesting? Paul says, don't behave this way. Instead, you think he's going to say behave this way. He says, instead, I want your mind to be focused on these things. And your mind, when, you're, when we have our mind focused on Christ, our behavior will take care of itself. And so that's why here we don't preach a lot about you need to stop or you need to start or you're doing this bad thing or you're doing that bad thing because there's no life there. And if your focus is on just doing or not doing the right thing, even if they're good things, you're not free. You're not. And, and my guess is probably in this room, some of y'all have, maybe you were raised in a church that the focus or even a family that the focus was 100%, hey, are you performing? Are you doing the right thing? Are you behaving? And you could stand up here and you could testify, I never felt freedom. Even though I, I was told that I was free, I never felt freedom. And what we've said over and over is, what you've done then is you've walked out of one prison cell and into another one. And this other prison cell might be bigger, it might be nicer, there might even be family and friends in that prison cell, but what you'll see is there's bars on the window and the door doesn't open. And you're imprisoned again, Right? And so this is where freedom is, is to put, set our minds. That's what he says right here. Uh, verse 2, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And the quick reference we used was, um, uh, if you look at someone's yard who's really nice, uh, if you water the grass, the weeds take care of themselves. Do you all follow me on that? I, I explained it a couple weeks ago. You can spend your whole life pulling weeds. Anyone ever pulled weeds? No one's ever like, let's go, pull, let's do it. It's weed pulling day. No one's excited about it. No one feels great afterwards. And by the way, it's pretty ineffective. Or what you can do is you can water the grass and the grass will choke out the weeds. 
and uh, what, what I talked about was when Kinsey and I lived um, kind of at our house a few miles north of here, we had a beautiful yard. There wasn't a weed in that yard, and people would actually ask me, man, you must pull a lot of weeds, and I never pulled a single weed, not one. What I did was I watered the grass. And then every night I would go home and I'd go in, and I'd lay in bed and I'd rest. I wasn't in bed going, the weeds are out there. The weeds are coming. No, I would rest and I would say, I've watered the grass and the grass is going to take care of the weeds. That's what it means to set your heart and your mind on Christ, not on earthly things. Okay, um, And so skip to, this is what you're going to see. Verses 5 through the end, through 17, this is where Paul gets extremely practical. He's going to start talking about behavior, okay? But notice, before he talks about behavior, he talks about, hey, don't forget, set your mind on these things, and, and this is what your behavior might look like. So don't get this wrong. Don't get me wrong here that the, the point of today is, hey, you should behave better. That's not what Paul's saying. That's not what the gospel is. The gospel is set your mind on things above, and these behaviors will take care of themselves. So I want to skip to the end real quick, and we're going to work backwards. Because the end, verse 17, really kind of summarizes everything that we're going to look at. So look at verse 17. Chapter 3, verse 17. So this is his summary of what he just we're talking about. Verse 17. And whatever you do, whether in, and look here, mine says word or deed that's another way of saying what whether in belief or behavior does anyone's bible say anything different any esvers or anything what mine says word or deed anyone says anything different whatever you do whatever you say yeah the emphasis on it and don't miss this paul is saying so whatever you do whether it's based on what you believe or how you behave he says this do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Okay, And so that emphasis on, uh, he, he's summarizing, he says, everything I just talked about, these are your deeds. But your beliefs uh, and your behavior, uh, we have to go through our mind to get to those things. And let me ask a question, and I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And I don't do this very often, but we need to do this. If you're honest, as a Christian, I, ha I have the mind of Christ. I do. That's what the Bible teaches. And I have these beliefs about God. And I have these beliefs about what it means to be a, a believer. And I have these beliefs about what it looks like to walk in freedom. And then what you'll also find is, Russell, if you followed me around with a camera 24 hours a day, I promise you, if you watched my behavior, there would be moments of my behavior where there would be some discrepancies between my belief and my behavior. Are you all with me on this? And I don't mean I'm going to, you, you see me like <laughs> killing people or kicking puppies or stuff like that, right? What, what I mean is you'll see there's moments where you'd say, hey, man, I, I saw you right there, and, that's, and, I, and, and I'm not, we're not picking each other apart. Would anyone be willing and brave enough to say, there is a gap between my belief and my behavior anyone in this room would you be willing to say i know what i believe okay now keep them up and, and this is what i want to do look around the room real quick okay look around the room real quick okay so we all admit now this my friends is we have to be careful this is called hypocrisy <laughs> right is that we say we believe this thing and we behave this direction and we've what we've just done is we've just proven people say the church is full of hypocrites and here's the answer you're completely right. It is. The, the church is full of people that are hurting. 
that are imperfect, but we serve a perfect God. And, and what we say, even here, is we say, at least, we're, at least we can be honest about it. And we can say, there is a gap between my belief and my behavior, right? And it's okay. But what Jesus does slowly over time is he chips away that gap. And, and this is what I, we always talk about vision. Like my prayer between my belief and my behavior, my prayers that rustle in six months is that my belief and my behavior are a little bit closer, right? And that, and that maybe in 10 years, it's even a little bit closer. This is not works-based salvation. Don't miss me here. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ, of, of the truth transforming men and women, of setting captives free. This is, this is what it means when we say we want to set captives free, is that that gap slowly closes over time, and that we can see and we can look at others and say, man, you are becoming more like Jesus. I see it. You talk about it all day long. Talk is cheap, man. Talk is cheap. But my gosh, I can see in your life, you have the heart of Jesus Christ, and it, it shows in the way you cheat and treat your family, in the way you talk to your friends at school, in the way you treat your teachers at school, in, in the way you behave around your in-laws. I can see it, man. And so, yeah, I went there. I can see it, right? And this is why... Well, and, and let me say this. This is why it's so important that we have the church in our lives. So important. Because we very rarely recognize growth in ourselves. Okay? I, I, I mentioned last week, when I was in middle school, I was tiny. Right now, I'm, I'm not the biggest guy in the room, but I'm not small. You know? But there was never a day in my life. Don't miss this. There was never a single point when I woke up and looked in the mirror and said, Oh, look at how much I've grown. That has never happened, right? If anyone's doing a workout program right now, if, you're, if, you're, if, you, if your body transforms over six months, I guarantee you there will not be a time where you look in the mirror and say, oh, it happened. It's a slow process. And usually what it takes is somebody else looking at you and saying, are you aware of what's happening in your life? Right? This is why we have to have the church. And, and even the reason I mentioned last week is I still, and this is a very personal struggle for me, I still look in the mirror and I see a, a small, tiny, insignificant eighth grader. You may not believe that. You may look at me and say, that's ridiculous. You may not believe me. I don't care if you believe me because it's true. Russell still, when I look at myself, I don't see what's really there, you know? And I mean, I'm not a small guy. I'm not the biggest in the room, but I still see something that's not true. And but to have other people like, like even like because I'll, I'll exercise and stuff like that, and I ask Kinsey all the time, God, I'm such a needy little <laughs> ah, leech sometimes. I'm like, do I, do I look okay? Do I look strong? And she's like, You look great. You look really strong. And I'm like, Okay, good. You know, why why do I say that? Because I'm believing the lie that I'm still this tiny. And we this is why this is why I had you raise your hands, is that we look around and that we can go to each other and say, Brother, man, you versus now versus you six months ago. I have seen this in your life, and I cannot wait to see. Can you imagine in two years what we can be talking about and say, do you remember what you were two years ago, right? This is Christian growth. This is Christian maturity. Um, and so look at, now let's go back, start in verse 5. I told you we'd start at the end and work back, okay? Uh, so Paul, notice he even says at the end, whatever you do in word or deed, do it for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So verse 5, this is where he gets extremely practical, extremely practical Uh, verse 5 
this is just after, remember, Paul has says, hey, if, you've been, if you have been raised with Christ, and he also says, um, your life is now hidden in Christ. Verse 5, he says this, put to, what's the word? Death. Death. Therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, yeah, those are easy. And greed, ah, shoot, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed. Notice that's what we just said. It's being renewed in knowledge, in the image of its creator. Here, there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. And then verse 12, therefore, and I don't think we'll get that far today. Okay, so verse 5 at the beginning, uh, it says, uh, put to death, therefore. Don't miss this. Anytime in your Bible that it says the word therefore, it's always pointing backwards to something that just has happened. And so don't, don't pull that, um, and it's always well-meaning, but don't, don't pull that thing that Christians do that we take a single verse out of context and we build our entire lives around this one verse. If, if you know anyone that does that or that teaches that, that there's a single verse and I've built my entire life around this, that's a red flag, okay? And this is a great example, um, like Romans chapter 8, verse 1, and people quote this all the time. It says what? There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's not what it says. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says this. It says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. It's connecting to a previous thought. And so right here you can see again, Paul says, put to death, therefore. Remember, therefore, two things he just mentions. He says, if you've been raised with Christ, he doesn't say if you believe that Christ has been raised. Big difference. And he says, uh, Christ who is your life, not Jesus who you worship on Sunday mornings. Okay, so he says, therefore, because of these things, now, now that our mindset is in the right place, let's look at our behavior. He says, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Uh, there is a, when you study the scriptures, there is a seriousness about our sin. There is a seriousness um, about some of these things that hold us captive. Okay, uh, John Calvin said, uh, be killing sin or it will be killing uh, you. Um, I want to point out two things. One is that scripture, it almost gives us permission for violence against these things. And number two, and this is where I want us to be honest here, okay, is we have to self-reflect. Very few of us take this approach to sin. Very few of us take it this serious this idea of put this thing to death because this is the thing that's trying to kill you, right? It's, it's exactly what Travis mentioned is these are good things that if we make them the ultimate thing, it will be our destruction. It will. These are good things that if we make them our ultimate things, they will destroy us. These are the words of Jesus. Do you remember this? He says, the enemy has come to steal, kill, 
and destroy. These things have come to destroy you. And as believers, we really need to have a seriousness about some of these sins in our lives. You know, uh, don't rationalize them. Don't make friends with them. Don't make them into pets. Don't, don't brush it off as a faulty coping mechanism. You know, maybe you're, maybe you're just an, I don't know, maybe you're just a jerk to people. Maybe you're just angry. And we can play this game of, well, that's just how my dad was. That's just how, or, or this phrase, that's just how I am. Man, we need to take these things seriously. Because that, that anger that wrath, it's trying to kill you. It's, I'm, and I'm not trying to be melodramatic. That's what Scripture teaches. It says these things are trying to kill your joy and kill your peace. And even what Travis said is to have this awareness is to recognize oh, my mind's not in the right place. I'm focused entirely on the wrong things. Or, and to even recognize patterns in your life of, man, I'm just angry. I'm feeling angry. Or I'm just feeling wrathful, or I'm feeling vengeful, or I'm, or why do I love? Why do I love to gossip about people so much? Why do I love that? And I know the answer. It's because it's fun, by the way. I'll just, I'll just, I'll be honest. Doesn't it feel good to talk about people? Yeah. Everybody, shake your head. If you're shaking your head, no, then you're just a liar. That's your problem. Is you're a liar. <laughs> is it like it's just? But it's this thing that if you go down that path, it will destroy you. It will. Uh, look in, are you in Proverbs chapter 6? I told you to, to put your finger there. Proverbs chapter 6 is a warning about this. In, in the Proverbs, it talks a lot about the adulteress, and that's not necessarily talking about a woman, but it's often an image of some of these uh, poor sin patterns that we choose. And what it's going to say is it's, it's, a, it's a comment on that we shouldn't play around with these things. You know, that these things are designed to kill us. It's like people that, uh, you know, these people that they find like a baby bear cub in the woods and they bring it in and they're like, oh, it's cute and adorable. And, and by the way, that's an excellent pattern of how, um, of, of allowing sin to come. It's such a clear image of allowing sin to come into your home and you welcome it there. It, at first, it's cute. At first, it's manageable. Honestly, if there's a bear cub and it gets mad at me, I can just put my foot on its forehead and push it back. You know what I mean? It's not going to hurt. It, it's really not going to. But over time, when I've allowed that thing in, what does that bear do? It grows up over time. And, and you'll see people do this. They oh, he's so cute. He's adorable. We feed him Cheetos and stuff like that. And one day it turns and kills him, and you end up on when animals attack without question. Now, why is that? Because you're playing with something that's designed to kill you. Like that bear is an apex predator. It is not a house cat. It, it, it doesn't, when it sees something moving, it thinks chicken nuggets. It doesn't think, oh, I should be afraid of that thing. Anything that moves in front of it, it thinks I should kill and eat that thing. That's in its nature. But this is, man, this is what we do with sin. It's, are you in Proverbs chapter 6? Look here. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20. My son, keep your father's commands and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them upon your heart forever. Fasten them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will speak to you. For these commands are a lamp. This teaching is a light. And the corrections of discipline are the way of life. 
Sometimes we don't like that word discipline, but I'll just throw this out there. Remember the word discipline and the word disciple come from the same word, <laughs> okay? Uh, and the, we talk about disciples. That's in our mission statement is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. So that was for free. Uh, verse 24, keeping you from the immoral woman, from the smooth tongue of the wayward life, do not lust in your heart after her beauty, or let her captivate you with her eyes. Again, this isn't necessarily about a woman. This is about these sin patterns in our lives. For the prostitute reduces you to a loaf of bread. Man, that I'm spending too much time in Proverbs. That is that that's how it works. When we give our lives to something, that thing never loves us back. It uses us. We are a means to an end. You can see it all the time, in, um, and I'll talk about this because it filters down into our families. You can see this all the time in professional sports is that, uh, is that these guys will give themselves, they will physically give, I mean, destroy their bodies, destroy their families to get in the end zone on Sundays one day, right? And it, and it trickles down into our families. And so you have like seventh and eighth, sixth and seventh graders that they're like doing like elite level training and there's no off season and and by the way like it, sports injuries for kids if you start talking to uh, sports doctors they're saying in the past 15 years sports injuries for kids have just skyrocketed because there's no off season and when kids get hurt their little bodies we're not giving them time to just rest right and and so anyways point being this is such a a clear image of you'll have you'll have kids that i mean from this age they will devote their lives and I'll just use football as an example, and I like football, but they will give their lives to football, and they will give their heart to it, to this thing. And let me say this, football has never loved anyone back. And this is how I know this, is because you can be at the top of your game on Sunday mornings or playing on Saturdays, and this is what I know. If you snap your ACL, I will never hear your name again. You are done. The second that that thing can't use you anymore, you're finished. So that's what he says here. He says, the prostitute reduces you to what? To a loaf of bread. Is that when we give our lives to this thing, it doesn't give back. Or, or if, if it's you're giving your, your life to a, a company, a, you know, a, a business, this is what I know. The second you walk out the door when you're finished, they don't care. You're done. You know, and, and again, I'm not, I'm not trying to make you feel bad, but that's if we give our hearts to these things, they will never love you back. Anyways, uh, verse 26, for the prostitute reduces you to a loaf of bread and the adulteress preys upon your very life. Verse 27, here's the warning, and this is what we're talking about. Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet? being scorched those are both questions uh, and again this is in reference to are we taking these these sin patterns these sins that we have allowed them into our home do we take those seriously because these things are trying to kill you and and what the uh, the writer of proverbs here he says it's as if i i scooped up a bunch of hot coals and put them in my lap and then were surprised when i got burned right if you pick up hot coals what's going to happen 10 times out of 10 Bro, you're going to get burned. And so this is what the writer of Proverbs is saying. He says, be careful with these things. Some of these things are good things. And by the way, hey, football's good. 
Y'all follow me on that? You need, your kids, you need to be in sports. It teaches you discipline, teaches you teamwork, it teaches you sometimes the best thing I can do for my team is to sit here on the bench, honestly. I'm not trying to be funny. And, and it teaches that it's not about me, it's a group effort, it teaches you all these great things. Football's a good thing, but when we take it and we attach our heart to it, you are going to get burned, okay? Uh, flip back to Colossians. Again, this is in reference to Paul saying, hey, put these things to death. Because if we play around with them, we're going to get burned. Uh, Verse 6, chapter 3, verse 6. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Okay, so just pause there and I'm going to say one thing about the wrath of God because we don't really understand it. This is a lie that's going around our culture is that if God is 100% love, he could never be wrathful, right? I don't know if you're seeing this or not. Like, God is love, which is true. And this idea of him actually uh, being wrathful against sin, we're like, no, nah, he, he, that's, not, that's not my God. That's a complete lie, right? And we don't understand the wrath of God. Remember, the wrath of God isn't lightning bolts. It isn't uh, a flood necessarily. The wrath of God sometimes is when, like a four-year-old, when we scream and stomp our feet and we say, I want this thing. That's, that's the thing I want. I want that thing. And what God says is he, is he says, hey, that, that thing's going to burn you. That thing's going to hurt you. And like a four-year-old, we say, nope, I still want it. Here, here's the wrath of God is when he says, okay. He says, Okay, you can have it. He says, it's, it's, you're going to get burned, man, but I'll, I'll be right here. You know? and, and something I'll say, and I, I hope you understand what I mean, is, is God is not a divine rapist. He will not force himself upon you. Right? This is what love is. There's no love without choice. And this is the way the wrath of God works. And so I'll, just, I'll let you think on that. It says the wrath of God is being poured out. I'll just let you think on that, that when we think about a culture that's under the blessing of God, has ever seen my fingers, by the way? Because we associate blessing with, well, we're wealthy, and, and we're all healthy, and we're all happy, when really, if you back up and look at, sometimes the wrath of God being poured out means what? That we're wealthy, and healthy, and happy. I'll just let y'all think on that, right? All of which are passing, by the way, all of which. We're not talking about peace or joy. We're talking about temporary things. I'll let you think on that. Okay, move on to um, uh, verse 7. Let's try to finish this up. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. Since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here, verse 11, there is no Greek, no Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. On that verse right there, what Paul is doing is he's saying, whatever your go-to primary identity marker is, he says it's no longer your identity. Okay, um, the reason is is because w- when we sit here and read this list, okay, on on Sunday morning at, at ten fifty five, 
when I read this list, my guess is that nobody in this room is going, oh, I'm not, I'm not supposed to be sexually immoral. I didn't know that. My, my guess is that no one's going, oh, wrath, vengeance. Let me write that down. I, I was unaware. My guess is that, this, right, is that this whole list, you're sitting here going, yep, yep. And my guess is that there's some things on here that it's easy to put to death, you know, is that we're all so different. Like, in, in my life, like, one thing that's easy for, that we're, in our family, we're super attuned to, and it's easy for us to put to death, um, is, like, guilt and manipulation. In the McLennan household, we do not guilt, we do not manipulate, and we do not shame each other into anything. We don't. We're just aware of it. And in our house, we say, we're going to put that to death. And, and maybe it's, I don't know, maybe, maybe in your house, if you grew up underneath that burden, then maybe when you, as you get older, it's easy for you to recognize, we're not doing that, right? Some things are easy to put to death. Or gossip, like in our family, we, we don't do the gossip thing. We don't do it. We're so sensitive to it because I've been burned with gossip. We've been hurt bad, bad, bad. And so even, even insofar as this, there, there will be and there have been times that I might be talking to you or, or you talking to me and, and that someone else may come up. And I'm not saying we don't, you know, talk about a person or, you know, well, that sounds terrible. You know what I mean. Uh, but there's times that, some, that something will come up and someone will start telling me a story about someone else that's very personal. And, and by the way, don't put a halo on my head. I want to be really clear here. They start going into this story, and in my heart, do you know what I'm thinking? I'm going, oh, I want to hear it all, right? I want every, and don't look at me like you don't do it either, by the way. Like when they, like you start down this path, and, and I'm just being honest here, that there are times when I think, oh man, I want to hear this. Oh, this sounds good. Oh, this sounds good. Uh, but what we'll do, and we, we do this in our family, and this is really, really hard, is there are times where I'll stop somebody and I'll say, hold on, do I need to know this information? Now, I, I want to, by the way, but do I actually need to? Because in our house, like, we're, we put that thing to death. We don't play with it. We don't play with it. Because that will destroy you. And I won't ask you to raise your hand on this, but I bet we've all been burned, burned by gossip. Even if people think that the information is true, it's not their information to pass on, right? And that's, that's how we've been hurt. It's not that people say, oh my gosh, Russell's a terrible person. Oh my gosh, blah, blah. It's that people are sharing information they think is true. And it might even be good, but it's not their information to share and it's wrong. And then somebody's feelings get hurt. Someone gets hurt because of it, right? Anyways, point being... There's some things that are easy to put to death, and there's some things that are very difficult. And that's why Paul says right here, he says, hey, there's not Greek, there's not Jew, there's not circumcised, uncircumcised. He's saying whatever your go-to primary identity marker is, it's no longer your identity. Okay. And uh, last week, and I already talked about this, you know, we referenced John chapter 5, is that Jesus... You remember, there's, the picture is there's this guy, and he's crippled, and Jesus walks up, and, and don't, don't miss this. He says to the guy, and I'm, well, we'll say this in a second. He says to the guy, he says, do you want to be healed? Now, that's a stupid question, isn't it? Unless we recognize that some of us, we attach ourselves to a sickened identity, right? And, and this is what... <clears throat> I think we said last week, and I'll just say it this week, 
If I'm honest, and remember I said I wanted to end with a question here. If I'm really honest, there are some things in my life, there's some baby bear cubs that I've allowed into my house. Are you following me here? There are some things that it's really difficult for me to put to death. There's something, gossip shows up, I get that out of here. Manipulation, go away, get that out of here. Slander, nah, I don't, you know. But there's some things in, in my heart that over time I've allowed in. And, and here's where I want us to be really honest, is if I woke up tomorrow morning and Jesus is physically sitting on the f- foot of my bed, and if he looked at me and said, hey, Russell, here's this thing. And he says, do you want to be healed? Which is the exact answer, he, or the exact question he asked that guy. If I'm a thousand percent honest, there are some things that he'd say, do you want to be healed of this? There are some things that I'd say, I don't think I want to because I, it's, I have attached myself to that sickened identity. Are you all following me this, here? This, is, this isn't a good example. This is just being honest. There are some things that I know, I know they're hurting me, you know. I, I know that I'm playing with fire and that I need to put to death. But there's some things where if Jesus, if he said, do you want to be healed? Or if, if I'm being honest, that I would say, ah, I don't know. Like, it, ah, I don't know. I'm still playing with this thing, you know? And so that's the question I want to um, end with. And really, I want to end with this prayer, is that for you, for us, there's probably that thing that we might even be praying for it, but we don't want to give it up. You following me here? There are some things that we might even be asking others to pray for, but we're not, but if Jesus says, do you really want to be healed, that we, in the darkest secrets of our heart, that we would say, I'm not ready, Right? And we wonder why we're not walking in freedom. And so this is what I would love for our prayer to be. Is that maybe right now, whatever that thing is, whatever it is, is maybe, you, if you're honest, you say, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to be healed from that. But maybe you can say, I want, I want to want to be healed. <laughs> Y'all follow me? That's a big step, by the way. To recognize, Lord, I'm not, I don't want to give this thing up, but I want to want to give this thing up. And to recognize, I'm held captive by this thing. So, Lord, please change my heart. Have you ever tried to make someone do something they didn't want to do? Parents? Right? It's, it's horrible. It's horrible if their heart's not in it. And so that's why, that's such a prayer for me is like, here's this thing. God, I want to want to be healed of this thing. Because right now I don't want to be healed of it. But I want to want to. And so what we're going to do is we're going to, spend some time uh, worshiping here. We've got a few songs. And this is what I want to point out, okay? Some of y'all closing your Bibles. Please hear me say this. Sorry, I called some of y'all. Hear me say this. The first song we're going to sing is the song is called Yearn. And the lyrics of this song, they, the lyrics are not, Lord, I yearn for you. The lyrics of this song are, Lord, I want to yearn for you. Do you see the difference? Huge difference. The song is not, Jesus, I, I yearn for you. Jesus, you're my everything. The song is, Lord, I want to yearn for you. I want you to be everything to me, right? So this song is a prayer. And so I'm asking you to pray with us or to pray with me on this, is that, Lord, we want 
to yearn for you. You know, this is why we don't, uh, we don't sing songs about how much we love God because our love is insufficient. This is a song about our love for God. This, but the, the song is, I want to yearn. I mean, to, to passionately yearn for you. This song is a prayer, and I, and I love it. Um, and then we're going to spend some time um, uh, just worshiping there. So um, let, me, let me close this in prayer. And can you guys be thinking about that? Man, that's a question if you've got, if you've, um, if you're part of a small group, that question is, if Jesus sat at the foot of your bed, and if he said, one, where do you want to be healed? And then two, if he asked the question, where are you not ready to be healed? Those are huge questions, right? And that's where freedom comes. That's step one of just recognizing, I might still be in bondage. I might, I might still be captive. The room may be big, but it might be like the Truman Show. You remember? I, it, it may be vast, and it may be expansive, and people may be really nice to me, but I may, I may still be in captivity. And that's, that's why we want to ask those questions. So let me pray for us, and then we're going to sing, and um, we'll pray this song uh, together. Let me pray. Father, thank you uh, for your word. Lord, I pray that we would be people that we would take... Um, these sin patterns, these, these areas of our hearts that we've given up, that we've, maybe we've allowed Satan to have a stronghold. Lord, I pray we take those seriously um, and that we wouldn't focus, that our focus would not be on them, but we would take them seriously. That our minds would be focused on you, uh, but, but that we would take these things uh, seriously, Lord. And so I pray um, we pray for freedom. That's what we pray for. We want to see people walking in freedom. And so uh, we pray for constant community, constantly pushing ourselves um, into others. We pray for encouragement from others. Lord, give us the strength and the courage to risk really being known. This is, this is very personal. This is very personal. And so, Lord, give us the strength to be willing to go to others and say, hey, here's here's where I, I don't want freedom. Here's where if Jesus asked, where I'd look at him and say, I'm not ready. I'm just not ready. Give us the strength to say that, that we would be men and women of the Lord and that we would be men and women of truth and that we could just face that giant head on um, and then let you fight that battle that's already been won. So, um, Father, um, this is our prayer. Amen.